Hey everybody, I'm Garrett. And I'm Melissa. We've been married for eight years and have two kids, Caleb and Sadie. Over the last few years, we have fallen in love with the scriptures and are learning how digging into God's word has helped us grow deeper with each other and those around us. We want to be real about our lives, our struggles, and our joys. This is Growing Deeper. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, We're going to be jumping into Micah this week. It's been a little bit weird lately with just, I don't know, it just, things have just felt different lately, obviously, yeah. because of... Well, the world's falling apart. <laughs> right, right. So there's that. It's and... fine. It's, <laughs> and while we're sitting in here with like a room full of flames, like that, that gif, one of my favorite gifs is that like dog oh, that's yeah, like... Oh <laughs> yeah, drinking coffee and like, everything is fine, <laughs> and, everything is the, totally fine. The building he's in is burning down. Um, but just, it's, I don't know, it's just between people being on spring break so like everything just like with the yak group people being on spring break so like just not seeing the same people that we usually see on a week-to-week yeah. basis and then obviously coronavirus and then yeah i don't know it's just been a lot of weird stuff lately we've had sickness in our house that just makes things yeah, caleb had the flu weird. at the end of the week last week and yeah. then and now he's he's sick again yeah and, he got better know. and then he got sick again yeah. and so it's just it, it's made a it's made us think of the beginning of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part mm-hmm. 1 uh, yeah. where the minister of magic is like these are dark times <laughs> there's no denying uh and he's trying to uh, give them encouragement and then you know like a few minutes later he's dead <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so uh, it's kind of made us think of that little scene and then, uh, from Harry Potter. And then but. just, you know, <clears throat> the Bachelor finale was kind of weird. Oh, yeah. It was just, it's just been weird times. And so we're finally jumping into Micah, though, today. Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk about some highs and lows. Yeah, which we've already kind of talked about a little bit of <laughs> yeah. the lows. Lows just being being tra- trapped in the house. Yeah, uh, he hates and, his family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, I hate being with my family too long. Yeah. Uh, no, I you know it just is makes everybody stir crazy, and then yeah. Caleb wants to go to Target, but Caleb can't go to Target, and Caleb, you you know, it's like a fever. you're you're running a fever, and we don't want to get the whole world sick, yeah. and so, um, you know, just hoping it's not coronavirus and all that stuff. So you know, you just don't know, and you don't want to go do anything with anybody, you know, because you're not sure. So. That part has just been hard, uh, but we've got we've tried to be creative and do some other stuff uh, yeah. as opposed to just being like, all right, well we're stuck in the house, right? Um, and uh, but actually before the whole coronavirus scare, uh, which I mean I guess it was leading up to it, but nobody it was, was freaking out. Okay, nobody was freaking out until like we were okay. Actually, yeah, go ahead and no, tell yeah. Me. So like Wednesday, I just took the day off and we took the kids to, uh, to the zoo, which. Uh, the very first thing Caleb does when we get to the zoo, I'm paying, and he decides that he just wants to make out with the stainless steel railing handrail that is standing by. That's like out. right behind it. I mean, that's what he did though. Like he, like just it, like in, you know, got engulfed his mouth around yeah, the rail. Yeah, and we're wondering why he's sick. Yeah, and it's like, oh my goodness! Like he, this he, is like the the. He's four years old. We thought yeah. we were beyond the point of having to tell him like. Don't eat the rail. Don't lick the rail. But yeah, uh, apparently we were wrong on that. Like we were literally not even in the zoo. We were in line paying. paying, 
and um which there was no line so we i mean like it's not even like he was sitting there waiting forever and just you know got bored uh we walked right up to the counter and i turned around and he's got his mouth on the but you know we've always everybody always wonders what a stainless steel rail tastes like yeah so now he knows (laughs) Uh, but we did go to the zoo and that was a lot of fun. And just to take him there, the trip up or the trip down and back was kind of miserable. Yeah. We went to but, Atlanta. So yeah. It was the zoo in Atlanta. Um, but we got to see a lot of cool stuff and he was, I think he was most excited probably about the panda bears, but just briefly. Yeah. But he kept calling them polar bears. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, I well, didn't for a little that. while. And then he, oh. he finally got it. I was like, you mean the panda bears? Yeah. Yeah. The panda bears. Yeah. Okay, well, but yeah, I think he had a good time doing that, and so yeah. that was just fun to kind of take the day off. Seems like and... he likes the petting zoo. Yeah, that was pro- that was probably his favorite actually. And then he, they also had like a playground. Yeah, that he really he enjoyed that too. Yeah. So, but that was my high for the week. Yeah. So, but as we're on our way back from the zoo, I just like I'm sitting there on my phone and stuff and getting caught up on Twitter and like it's like everything is shut down like yeah. the world is <laughs> literally collapsing on canceling our canceling all the things and it was just kind of kind of wild and I was like should we have should we have gone to the zoo and uh but it was obviously you know nothing we can do about it but um yeah yeah so for me my low this week um was probably it was is Monday I um I go my I have a family history of skin cancer so I went to get checked up on Monday and um there's a place on my hairline that they decided to biopsy. And so that's I've had that done one other time before and that's just like my doctor really thinks it's nothing and it'll probably be fine but it's just always a little nerve-wracking and then just having a stitch uh, like I have one stitch in my hair and fun fact Garrett thinks it looks like a bug. <laughs> Like with antennas, it just looks like it. It just looks like antennas coming out of her head. <laughs> like she has, like there's a little cricket under there. So and it's just, I yeah, told little antennas coming. I out. was like, well, I hope it comes out and eats you in the, <laughs> during the night. Um, it's not one of my finer moments. <laughs> but um, so that's just been it. I don't think it's as affected me as much as the first time I got a biopsy. Um, but it's definitely been you know, kind of in the back of my mind of, like, really just wanting those results back. Yeah, and, just to ease your mind. And that's the main yeah. reason they took it, was to ease yeah. your mind anyways. Right? Yeah. So. so that's just been kind of a, a bummer. Also yeah. with having Vaseline kind of in my hair. <laughs> just Yeah, I, I kiss like, her on the head whenever I leave every morning. Yeah, excellent. And I definitely, which I, I guess it was kind of a, uh, it was a, karma coming back on me yeah, from uh, the antenna you, comment the antenna comment uh, really i kissed her you. on the head the next morning and i got a mouthful of vaseline so yeah, yeah there so was that so. um so that's probably been my low this week um in addition to the stuff garrett was i mean that stuff with caleb being sick and just mm-hmm. everything affected me too has affected me too obviously um but my high of the week was probably last night since we couldn't leave or and go anywhere um we decided to just like make s'mores which it was funny because I got all the stuff for s'mores at the grocery store like with all the other aisles empty I was like they still have all the things for s'mores <laughs> they may be out of toilet paper but we can make s'mores and so um the kids were just they were both so sweet like Sadie just sat in her little Mickey Mouse chair 
like the whole time and she was just eating you know the graham crackers and we tried to give her just she fell over a couple times. yeah she had fallen in her chair a couple times she's like leaning over trying to get caleb (laughs) and then she just tipped over topples over and she's stuck in like the 45 degrees yeah like and just just crying crying out loud like stuck in a 45 degree angle yeah i really wish i had had, i took a picture of it but but then it felt cruel just to sit there and laugh Uh, at her while she's crying i've done that before though i've gotta gotta be honest um but it was just Caleb loved the s'mores. It was just a really good time. And then, like, after they um, played with chalk on our back patio while we just got to kind of enjoy the fire. And it was just really relaxing. So it's just, it is interesting. I've been kind of thinking about it as we've been talking. It's like, you know, we kind of joked about how your low was, like, spending too much time with your family. But, like, also just the joy that being able to spend so much time brings. Like, there's just, yeah. like... Even your high was us all spending time together, yeah. you know? So it's like, there's just ups and downs with with everything. So, um, but that was just, that was just a nice kind of relaxing night. And then like Garrett read some books to Caleb outside last night by the fire. And it was just yeah, I loved peaceful. That. Yeah, I loved reading. I just read him a couple books uh, before bedtime and just around the fire and stuff. And yeah, I mean, that's just super nice. It's just really peaceful, and it just feels right. You know, it feels yeah. like things are going fine. Yeah. You know, and kind of that calm in the middle of the storm thing. Yeah. So I my, my thought on the next part of this, before we get into Micah, um, I thought it'd be good if we kind of went over a couple different songs. You know, like what, what are our, like, songs that we're listening to right now that mean something to us? Um, and just kind of go over why it means something to us. I just think that that's really cool. Music, uh, I think it's really a, a very interesting part of humanity as a whole. I mean, like it, it feeds our emotions and like, and it, it both speaks to how we're feeling right now and also like soothes us in moments of need and stuff. Like it's just so, um, you know, unanimous across all of mankind that like we love music. We love to make art and do those types of things. And so the things that, uh, I guess songs that really, uh, resonate with us, I think it's really cool to share that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'm gonna let you go second because I know that yours is really cool. So, and really good. So (laughs) I'm putting you on the Uh spot of that, but um start brainstorming yeah. to make it sound really but for cool. me if you ever ask me like what i'm listening to right now that is a really cool music to me i i am in love with a band called alter bridge uh so i just listen every time i run i listen to their stuff and just really fuels me and i think they just have a lot of uh, deep thoughts and stuff they're a secular band so they're not christian music but i think that they speak a lot to what humanity desires as a whole and uh, the song that um, that really stuck out to me yesterday um, was uh, this a song called Clear Horizon. It's on their latest album from Walk, called Walk the Sky. And um, I, I think it just is, it, it speaks to this desire for something more. Um, and, you know, it's like, hey, you know, I want to live this life so that it's not in vain, you know. And he says this is in the pre-chorus of it. It says, like a counterfeit, I've had enough of this. I've I bought the dream and it let me down. I want to take a risk. I want to learn to live to find the one thing that can't be sold. Uh, and then the chorus uh, goes like this. Awake now I feel, or I see the clear horizon. It was just out of reach from the start. 
Um, and I, I think when if you go in and listen to the song, it's very like they're just incredibly good. They're an incredibly good uh, musically, um, but um, I, I think it just really speaks to that human desire of something more than the way the world is right now, and the I mean, just look around us, all the chaos and the the struggle that you see. Um, I think it's like I want I want to stop selling out for the things that um that this world tells us are awesome uh or important and instead sell out for something that can't actually be sold um and I, so it's like to me you know that that's that's my faith in Jesus it's like this this chasing after Yahweh that's something that can't be taken from me and um I think that that's something that like this band is kind of crying out for I don't know if they realize it or not I you know I know the lead singer is not a believer um, but whenever I listen to his stuff, um, I am just, I, I can see it. I can see the desire of humanity that's chasing something more than what's around us. And I, I think that that's just really cool. So yeah, what is yours? Um, so about a year ago, I did we kind of forgot when it was, we, we were talking about this before, but it was about a year ago. Um, my brother had some free tickets to see for King and Country and I have always, I've always really liked for King and Country. I've heard really good things about going to their live shows and stuff. And so I was, I, we kind of just jumped at the opportunity to go. And um, obviously when you go to those concerts, you hear some songs that you've never heard before. And one of those songs um, was Burn the Ships. And basically the, the story behind the song um is this idea of sailors who have like there's I don't know if it's yeah like the a, backstory of it is like, like a, a group of sailors that were yeah. they had arrived uh, at new land kind of yes. thing and they're they, scared to yeah. they're they're scared to like get off the boat and explore the island um, and so the idea is kind of like just letting go of the ship that kind of represents their past right and and where you know and get out and just go like take on this new yeah. this new land and explore and like be present with it and everything. Um, so the, the chorus, I'll read the chorus in the bridge, step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon the heartache. So light a match, leave the past, burn the ships and don't you look back. So long to shame, walk through the sorrow out of the fire into tomorrow. So flush the pills, face the fear, feel the weight disappear. We're coming clean. We're born again. Our hopeful lungs can breathe again. Oh, we can breathe again. And for me, 2019 was, it It feels like it was kind of a pivotal year for me. Um, I dealt with a lot of things with like mental health and um, it was a turning point for just me deciding to try to like really try to take hold of my health and just my mentality as a whole. Um, it's when I started... I've started reading more, I've journaling, journaling more, more. Yeah. Um, being more consistent with exercise, um, like at certain times. And really like all this stuff, it ties back to mental health, health for me. Um, I went to, I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there was things that happened in the year, during the year that made it challenging for me mentally. But it was also during a time where I had already started 
this like journey of trying to make myself be- like the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but thinking about this song and I've reflected on it all of 2019 after hearing it then and, and even now, it's just this idea of how much I've let fear and insecurities um, tie me down yeah. and limit me. And I think I've kind of talked about that bef- a little bit on the podcast before. But um, just this idea of like letting all that stuff go and pressing on moving forward um, and just keep doing what I'm doing because it's all really helping. Yeah, I mean, we have such a tendency to, I mean, that, that the ship is that symbol of safety yeah. and the thing that you know. Yeah. Like, it's just the thing that you know best. And so, like, they wouldn't leave that so that they could explore new worlds and kind of thing. Yeah. And that's the same, like, that was the same thing that was going on with you. I mean, and just the idea of, you know, of cutting loose of that. Yeah. Of whatever I mean, it whatever was, that's holding you it back. It was holding me back in every aspect of my life. Yeah. I mean, it was affecting feeling fear like that, feeling anxiety like that. It it affects everything. It was affecting how I parented. It was affecting our marriage. It was affecting, you know, me just reaching out to others and and just living out yeah. my faith. Um and so it was it's just like having that song to kind of remind myself of like you know leave that past leave the fear that you felt so long and just uh, be the person that's god that god has always been calling me yeah, to be yeah and step out there and take a risk and you know to to change change yeah. who you are right um, and yeah I, I loved that whenever they went over that cuz i guess without the backstory it's hard to understand that whole burn the ship right. burn the ship's line uh, but once you get that backstory, that song just changes uh, so much. Yeah. Of you know, and then you you realize all the all the things that they throw in there about just different struggles that people have of you know flush the pills kind of thing yeah. and to to get rid of that thing that is just that's just killing you. It's making right. it's decaying you. Uh, it's killing you alive. Um, and to to flush that and burn it down and get rid of it and then. And move on. Yeah. Don't um, even have the option yeah, to go back to that. Exactly. You know, move forward. Yeah. So. It's a really cool little like message. It was it was great whenever they went over that. Yeah. In the, yeah. Like Caleb, I think, even knows it's my favorite song. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it recently, it didn't come on the radio till recently, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, it's recently been on the radio and we had Amazon Unlimited for a while. Like we had a free trial or whatever. And so I was playing it a lot then. And then now it's coming on the radio and Caleb's like, hey. This is your yeah. this is your song. Yeah, that step into a new day. We can yeah. rise up from the dust and walk away. I mean yeah. that that's uh that imagery for me of like rising from the dead, you know, uh in the resurrection life that, that Jesus has provided for us. I mean that's what that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be walking and living that resurrection life. And there have been so many times over the past year when I've heard this song and I'm just like with the kids and having a rough day and I'm like, okay, we're going to have an impromptu dance party and we're just like all in the living room and Garrett has come home from work in the middle of the yeah, house. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, but it's just like with any just like upbeat song, that can be like a good way to kind of reset your And like release mind. some stress. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing how that, how it does that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyway. As promised, yeah, we will. <laughs> we 
We will actually jump into Micah. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna just step right into the story of Micah. Uh, what we studied last time is is pertinent to the to the information that we're about to get into here. Uh, if you remember, uh, Nineveh that's talked about in Jonah is the capital city of of a group of people called the Assyrians. Um, they are a huge, big, bad nation uh, in the story of Israel in the story of 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 the Israelites. Um, and so what ends up happening whenever, so think about David's monarchy. Uh, he ruled over Israel for so many years and then, uh, and then his son Solomon took over. But after Solomon died, it split into the two kingdoms, uh, where you had the Northern kingdom of Israel, or, uh, I think it'll also be called Ephraim, uh, which is just the biggest tribe or the clan of the Northern kingdom. Uh, and then the Southern kingdom would be, Judah, uh, and Judah would be would have the capital city of Jerusalem, uh, and then the northern uh, city or the new, northern uh, kingdom, their capital would be Samaria, um, and later on you would hear that be called Samaritans, but that's like a, a different that's a different kind of group of people. Um, but anyways, you have northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Well, the northern kingdom never really ever had any good kings. Like they, they like they sold out. They started worshiping other gods, worshiping gods of the Assyrians and the people that that are around them. They worshipped other Canaanite gods, uh, and so they split off and they never followed the followed the Torah. Um, and the southern kingdom didn't really do all that much better. They had intermittent uh, good kings, guys like Hezekiah. Uh, and Josiah, and I think Jotham was another one. But every now and again, they would have good kings uh, that would bring them back to, towards God and to uh, th- they would devote themselves again to Yahweh. But they, would, they weren't really all that much better. So in the time of Micah, um, this is set where Assyria has come in uh, and... and Basically, in the way that we'll see it shown here is that Assyria comes in and destroys the northern kingdom. Uh, and Israel is totally ransacked and taken off into exile um, in about 722 B.C. Is, is the time frame where that happens. And they come in, just totally lay waste to them. And then they make their way on down to Judah over the next 10 years. Uh, and they find themselves at the gates of Jerusalem. Uh, where they're basically waiting them out. The king of Assyria would write about how he, like, um, that Hezekiah was like a bird in a cage uh, to him, that he had just, like, surrounded Jerusalem and he was waiting them out. And they they destroyed, like, all these cities that were in the northern part of the southern kingdom of Judah. So the Assyrians are big bads. I mean, they're, like, thinking back to Jonah, Nineveh is responsible for the destruction of of a lot of Judah and all of the northern kingdom of Israel. Um, but the way that the biblical authors would write about it is that Assyria is basically God's hand. Like he's he's using them, even in their evil, he's using them to uh, discipline his children, which is which is the, the children of Israel and Judah. Um, so that that's kind of the setting that we find ourselves in with this, of like they're trying to make sense of, well, we thought we were God's people. And if we're God's people, then Yahweh should be, you know, like he should be protect, protecting us, right? Um, but ultimately, and what we're going to see as we get into the book, um, is that 
um, yes, you're God's people and you're God's children, but you haven't like you haven't been doing the things that you needed to be doing. Not not just like maintaining the law. The idea is is that they were supposed to be a priest of the nations. They were supposed to be people that stood up for the good of those that were around them and lifted up the poor and lifted up um, the people that were unfortunate, you know, that didn't have stuff. They were supposed to be representatives for those people. Instead, they were taking advantage of them. And so that's what we'll see as we start to get into this book. But Micah, he's from a little city that's south uh, southwest of Jerusalem. And he's basically just like a farmer dude. He's not like high class or anything like that. He's a prophet that's coming up and he does not like the city. Uh, he doesn't like either any of the urban areas he's not he's not real fond of. Um, and you, a lot of that reason is because the leadership is is kind of garbage. Um, and so um, that's the kind of setting that we find ourselves in, is that Assyria is laying waste uh, to Judah, and Micah is calling them out for, here, here's the reasons that this is happening to you guys, okay? So that that's, that's kind of the setting. So uh, we'll pick up um, chapter 1, verse 1. Um, go ahead. All right. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Morasheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, O peoples, all of you, listen, O earth, and all who are in it, that the sovereign Lord may witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads the high places of the earth. The mountains melt beneath them, and the valleys split apart, like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. So the this opening scene, you you have the word of Yahweh came to came to Micah. So this is basically the same way that that uh, Jonah started out. Um, and then it's not. <laughs> yeah, and then it's totally not the same thing. Um, so instead of Yahweh coming and saying, "Hey, go do this," this is the way that most of the prophets start out: is the word of Word of the Lord came to them, and then, hey, you know, go speak to them, and they go do it. They actually go do it. Yeah. Um, and so he, so there's three kings that are mentioned here. Jotham, I mentioned him. He's a pretty good guy, I think. Um, and then Ahaz, who is not at all a good king of Judah. Uh, and then Hezekiah, who is a great king of Judah. So it's just giving you a time frame. Uh, give you an idea. Um he would have been a contemporary of Isaiah. It would have been about the time frame that, that Micah would be. So he, he's from that little town I mentioned, um, and he he's going and speaking out against Samaria, which is the northern uh, kingdom's capital, and Jerusalem, the southern kingdom's capital. And he says, like, so the, this opening three, four verses is about, like, Yahweh's getting up you see just like the idea of that, you know, out of this place, it's like everything's melting before his presence and it's bursting open like wax and this water, you know, rushing down the slope or being pushed down the slope by him. It's like this holy moment of like him. It's almost like he's like getting up off of his throne. You know, it does kind of remind me of like the staircase thing yeah. that you, that you could talked about with, um, Jacob, the, yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, and just like with the whole. With, I don't know why my mind is going blank with right now. Jesus or with what? Well, yeah. I mean, with there was connections with. What was the series you did? 
With Heaven and Earth? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I couldn't yeah. think of the name. Yeah. Um, but like with Heaven and Earth stuff and seeing what we saw in the Old Testament with kind of the staircase imagery and then how that was in the New Testament with Jesus mm-hmm. being yes. like the staircase. It kind of, I see that here as he like comes down. I can kind of like when we read that the first time, I kind of imagined him coming downstairs. Oh, okay. You know, like yeah. coming down from his throne down yeah. these like stairs and like how the mountains kind of, I don't know. It yeah, just, it just like makes way of, for him. Yeah. You know, like all of this stuff is just like getting out of his way. Yeah. Um, and the way, you know, a king, whenever a king gets up and walks off of his throne and if there's people standing there, they just part. Everything just parts yeah. out of his way. Uh, and so that's kind of the picture that we have here is like this king getting up off of his throne and all of his subjects, which With is so the whole power. earth. <laughs> yeah, the whole earth is under his reign. Yeah. Um, and that heaven and earth idea of like that all of it is his creation. All of it is 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 bowing before him. And, you know, so I don't know. There's just so much power in it uh, in his holiness and like uh, from his holy temple and all this stuff, there's just a lot of power yeah. associated with it. So you want to keep going? All right. Uh, picking up in verse 5. All this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the house of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place for planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. All her idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images. Since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes, as the wages of prostitutes, they will be again be used. So it, he kind of starts out verse 5 of like, this is what this is all about. It's not, so this, the, this uh, melting of the mountains and stuff, this is kind of like the image that you see in Exodus uh, where there's like this fire mountain smoke and like all this power earthquakes and things when Yahweh settles on the mountain. But now he's not coming to make a covenant. Now he's coming to deal out his wrath. Yeah. Um, and, and who is it against? It's against Jacob, which is, uh, which is Israel, Israel is that Northern kingdom. Uh, and what is the rebellion of Jacob? Oh, is it not Samaria? Samaria is the capital. So that's where you have the the high-ranking officials, the leadership, the people that are supposed to be directing stuff um, and make, you know, like keeping the people in line with the Torah and making sure everybody's following that. Well, they're the ones that are the ones that are destroying everything, right. that are making it not right. And the same thing you know, with Judah and Judah. Or is it not Jerusalem? Jerusalem is where that coming out that, of. That capital of Judah. Yeah. 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 So, and then it's like, hey, he's going to lay waste to Samaria. Well, that's that's kind of fulfilled through Assyria. He, I, I think he's kind of looking back on this uh, and seeing what happened to Samaria. It could be that he's looking forward to it. Um, but uh, I think the way... Um, that John Golden Gay puts it, he says, um, his message about Ephraim or Ju- or Jacob uh, is designed for Judah to hear, uh, to undermine any tendency of its people to think that they were superior to Ephraim uh, or to be afraid of Ephraim, as Isaiah makes clear they were, or to think that they would be safe when Samaria fell. So it, they're, it's uh, highlighting Listen, these are the sins of Samaria, but he's coming for you too. Um, 
in because of the things that you've done, uh, King Ahaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it says that he's going to lay waste to it. And then there's just like little interesting thing. I think when you read it, it's very odd. Um, but it says that he's going to lay waste to it and then a, a place for planting a vineyard, um, which is just really interesting, um, I think, imagery there of the, yeah, it is destruction, but it's, um, there's some hope in that, that something could grow out of it, I guess. Um, and then he's going to like break down all their, you know, go down to their foundations. Uh, and then there's this interesting thing about this prostitution wages. Um, I think the idea here is that Samaria, uh, mainly Samaria, but also Judah and many, many times Judah, um, they had prostituted themselves out to other gods. Um, and that all this stuff is like going to come back on them. The things that you gave out to these other gods, well, those are going to be, you know, the things that you got from it are going to be taken from you and given back to them as well. Um, and so I, I think that, that that's kind of what's going on there with the prostitution. It's talking about the prostitution of the, it's uh, if you think about Hosea, who's another one of the minor prophets, um, it's that selling out to other gods is a prostitution to God. So yeah. do you have any other thoughts on this? Um, well, just kind of going along with the idea of like planting vineyards that, that in that same verse, verse six, um, and lay bare her foundations. I don't know when, when I read that, I'm like, lay bare her foundations, it almost feels like for preparation for rebuild. Yeah. Um, so, like, just the combining, like, planting vineyards and, you know, kind of re- resetting the foundation, just, it does kind of, for some reason, set this sort of stage yeah. of hope yeah. of that, like, it doesn't mean it's destroyed forever and nothing can ever grow there again. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like that if you're watching a... <laughs> Isn't there wasn't there a TV show show called Down to the Studs, or something like that? There was like two dudes or something that was on there. But like you would, they would basically destroy the house and take it down, quote down to the studs. Yeah. Uh, and then rebuild up from there. Um, and yeah, so I kind of can, can see that in it. Well, and then like again, I'm thinking about heaven and earth again of like planting vineyards and kind of like let's make this a garden the way it should have been instead of the way that you've treated it. Um, I don't know. I just, it's weird to actually see some hope in that section. Yeah. Um, because it's very bleak, like rubble and like wages of prostitutes. Like that just isn't exactly the most like, Oh, let me write that verse on my mirror to remember every morning. Yeah. So this is what the Faith Life Study Bible um, says about that that whole prostitution thing. It says, The idols of Israel are compared to wages of a harlot. Uh, They had been made from the metal given to the temple by worshipers. Israel had accumulated wealth by engaging in idolatry, an act God regarded as adultery. These same wages will return to pay a harlot. The enemy soldiers who plunder the city will spend their loot on prostitutes. So it's just a like, hey, all of this is going to return back to where it came from because you like all of this. You weren't supposed to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so yeah, there. This whole thing um, is very bleak and very. Uh, it just does not seem very hopeful, except for those little lines that are just kind of just seem to be thrown in there that are that are just really interesting. Yeah. 
So, you want to keep going? Yeah, and bear with me because there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of hard names in here. A lot of crazy city yeah, names in yeah. here. All right. Be- uh, picking up in verse 8. Because of this, I will weep and wail. I will go about barefoot and naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. For her wound is incurable. It has come to Judah. It has reached the very gate of my people, even to Jerusalem itself. Tell it not in Gath, weep not at all. In Beth Ophrah, roll in the dust. Pass on in nakedness and shame, you who live in Shafir. Those who live in Zanan will not come out. Bethazil is in mourning. Its protection is taken from you. Those who live in Maroth writhe in pain, waiting for relief, because disaster has come from the Lord, even to the gate of Jerusalem. You who live in Lashish, harness the team to the chariot. You, You are the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, for the transgressions of Israel were found in you. Therefore, you will give parting gifts to the Morsheth Gath. To the town of Azib, you will prove deceptive to the kings of Israel. I will bring a conqueror against you who live in Marisha. He who is the glory of Israel will come to Adalim. Shave your heads in mourning for the children in whom you delight. Make yourselves as bald as the vulture, for they will go from you into exile. All right, so this is a lot of destruction. And a lot of sadness. Um, but I do think it's important. We we need to, um, just to pick up and highlight on, on verse 8. Um, there yeah. There is nothing joyful about this to the prophet. And there's nothing joyful on behalf of Yahweh for this. Um, the the point here is that, he. I mean, he's lamenting and wailing. Um, yeah, just like some of the things <clears throat> that we read from like other, you know sources and stuff kind of indicate that like the prophet is speaking on behalf you know the emphasize that the prophet is speaking on behalf of god so it's almost like god saying these things yeah anytime you read something from a prophet sometimes it like interchanges between whether or not it's yahweh speaking or it's the prophet speaking or both right like that is just a really interesting thing and i think really important to the biblical story it's not like these things didn't just like these books didn't just like fall out of heaven, you know, like mm-hmm. in this these golden tablets um, that all of a sudden it was just written this way or the prophets didn't just like go into this trance and write all this stuff down. Like they're speaking. God is speaking through the prophet mm-hmm. um, and with like with them. He works with humanity in order to achieve his purposes. So yeah. I think that that's a really important. So just thing. like this idea that God is weeping and wailing and how much that this pains him yeah. to see the destruction. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not that he's just pained by what they're doing. He's also pained by the discipline that he's having to, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a really um, important aspect of God. Um, I, I think we have a really hard time with this kind of stuff. We don't really like to see God executing discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really tried to run away from it a lot. Like we just don't like to read this kind of stuff. We'd rather strip the, the we'd rather skip on to the more famous parts of Micah uh, where there's stuff you know of hope and like here's who you need to be. But this is the response of a group of people that's continually turning themselves away from Yahweh and hasn't wanted to repent for it. Yeah. Um, and and, and yeah. honestly, I mean, this makes me think so much of like parenting. Yeah. Um, 
like being a parent has helped me better understand God's discipline because mm-hmm. it would be so much easier to just like when there's a tantrum being thrown or things not being done the right way to just be like, here's a piece of candy. Stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and that would immediately make my life easier. Caleb would be happy. But like, ultimately, that is not going to make Caleb or Sadie a better person. A, a yeah. better person yeah. and, and shape them into like the per- person that society needs them to be later on in life like when they're in the workplace or you know making friends and um so it's just it it kind of gives me a new perspective on discipline when I think about and how hard it is for us like it's so much harder to actually like do discipline in the right ways than like just giving in to what they want yeah and I mean and for the most part with like Caleb we've really tried to avoid Spanking, like we've really tried to avoid that because because of he's so aggressive, we don't want him to respond with like hitting and things like that. Like thinking that that's a good response. We've um, definitely spanked to be clear. Well, that's but, what I'm gonna get yeah. to is that the other night, um, you know, he was just being so bad, and I was like taking stuff from him, and I was like, all right, you know, little Spider Man is mine. All of your costumes are mine. And then all of a sudden, he's just like, all right, you can have this too. And I was like, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, what else do you want to take, Daddy? Look, I got my Spider Man nightlight here for you. <laughs> yeah. And so it just got to the point where it was like, this isn't working. And he kept, he kept throwing a hissy fit about something. I can't remember what it was at this point. Um, it's been so many since. But, but I just told, I just looked at him. I was like, okay, all right, turn around. You know, and go stand next to the bed. And I was, it just like hurt me to have to do it. It's <laughs> that old, like, oh, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, it does. It really <laughs> did. You know, I like, I had to, I, you know, spanked him on the bottom. And like, and he, you know, it really got through to him at that point. Uh, and, and I had, I explained to him, I was like, listen, I don't, daddy does not want to do this. This is not something that daddy enjoys. Um, but this is something that you have brought on yourself because you've continued to make this choice. And so like doing that and walking through that, I can feel so much more of God's fatherly figure Mm -hmm. that he has in the way that he carries Israel through their, through their transgressions. And, um, it, it changes that whole perspective whenever, uh, God says that he carry, like I carried you out of Egypt he did carry them as like a child that was helpless, but he also carried them like a child that was throwing an absolute temper tantrum whenever it was like, I am keeping you from this while you're flailing around and throwing yourself on the ground. I'm carrying you out of this situation. Yeah. Uh, and, and so like to think of it that like that, uh, it, it's just a whole new perspective on God's discipline and how that feels to him. Like none of this is enjoyable to him. And just like with the flood story, I mean, when you go read the flood story in Genesis chapter 6, it says that the way that humanity had become, it grieved him to his heart mm-hmm. for what for the violence that was that was just all through throughout humanity. And I think that's what he's feeling here. Like this isn't, he's getting up as a, you know, he's getting up off of his throne and he's going to execute justice against his children. And it's not enjoyable. Yeah. It's not something that he, like he and the prophet wail and moan. Yeah. Uh, if you think about, so it says, I will make a lamentation like the jackals. Um, if you've ever heard a group of coyotes, um, like, uh, wailing and moaning at night, like 
they're so loud and they can feel like they're right next to you when they're, you know, half a mile away. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the kind of thing that is trying to give you that, that picture of this is not enjoyable. This is something that is God has had to do now because of how they've behaved and how they've acted. Uh, And you'll, we'll get into what those things were, but right now it's like, you know what those things are. That's what I think the prophet's kind of doing that of like, What's your sins but Samaria? What's your yeah. sins but Jerusalem? It's like we don't know what their sins are reading this uh, unless we've gone through First and Second Kings. Um, but the pro- they know. They yeah. know what's up. They yeah. know what they did. Um, and I think that's important. I think, too, uh, kind of like on the flip side of this, of like when we do discipline, I'm going to, I'm mostly talking about Caleb, obviously, because yeah. Sadie is 18 months old. And, and she doesn't need any discipline. She, so. She's. Wow, she's, (laughs) our experience has been different, Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, like, the thing about discipline, too, is I don't feel like I'm disciplining him to try to control him. It's not like to, sure, it's to try to get a certain type of behavior, maybe, but ultimately, it's like, I know how amazing of a kid he is, Yeah, and I think God knows how amazing we are and Mm -hmm. like he sees all that potential in us just like we see all the potential in Caleb like he's so funny he's like he really is kind like he look he looks out for Sadie so much and like yeah just tonight he was trying to share ice cream with her yeah which was so random like you're sick you cannot give her your ice cream but thank you for being so so kind-hearted um you know he will you know like let us know if she's doing something that might get her hurt. Like, he's just such a good brother. And he's just, I don't know. I mean, he's just very sweet and thoughtful. And so, it's like the discipline is really trying to just pull that out more, ultimately. And just, like, emphasize, like, how great he can be, you know? Um, And so, I kind of have also thought about that with God of, like, I see your potential, like... I know, like I know who you are mm-hmm. and I want you like unfortunately we have to do some things that are not so yeah, fun to be- get there because this doesn't make him look good either like as far as like his people so this is something if you go read um second kings um 18 19 I think is it's 17 or 18 or 18 19 uh is is this whole scene um where basically Assyria comes up to um, comes up to the gates of Jerusalem and there's a messenger that comes in and he's mocking. There's like a whole chapter of this messenger mocking Yahweh uh, and being like, he's not somebody that you can trust. Don't trust your king, uh, who is Hezekiah at the time, um, who's actually turning to God and trying to rely on him. But anyways, like the destruction of his people, it's making them question, are we actually God's people? Uh, and if we are, is our God really that awesome? You know, like because of all this happening to us, and so and so they're they're questioning those things because of it. And but then then you really get to the heart of it. And it's like, no, you actually weren't worshiping Yahweh at all. Yeah, you were worshiping yourselves and like chasing after the idols of your of your neighbors, um, and and that was the problem. And that's what he's trying to bring you back to. Um, and so I, I think that that those types of things are going on. Like his name is at stake too. It's the same thing that's happening on the mountain. Uh, with Moses. Moses is like, hey, if you just destroy these people out here in the wilderness, it's going to look bad because all of a sudden you save them and then you destroy just to kill them out in the wilderness. You can't do that. 
Um, and so uh, it, it's that that trouble too. He, he's like, I'm going to send you off in exile, but I'm I'm going to bring you home. Is what and we'll get into that aspect. But um, yeah, I I think that's something we have to consider too. That his name's at stake as well, yeah. uh, not just Israel's or Judah's. So, um, so let's kind of keep going through this. Um, there's, um wailing and you know that her the judah's disease or wounds are incurable um and it's reached the gate of my people remember everything either if he's prophesying it it's going to happen you know or if it's something that he's like experiencing in the moment uh it seems like it it, that might be the case but either way he kind of goes through all these different cities and he makes these puns almost uh, I don't think they're funny puns. I think they're just meant to be plays on words. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the first one is, in verse 10, uh, do not tell it in Gath. Uh, Gath and tell are kind of similar um, Hebrew words. Um, and this is like a direct quote, actually, um, from Second uh, Samuel. Um, this is Second Samuel chapter 1, verse 20. Um, David is actually lamenting the anointed one, which is Saul. Um, Saul has died, and now he is lamenting him, and he says, do, do not go tell it in Gath. And the reason is he doesn't want these these pagans uh, to celebrate the death of the anointed one, uh, who was Saul. And so it's like, this is kind of the, the death of the anointed one, that Israel has gone down, and like, don't go tell it in Gath. Uh, and then there's uh, Beth Le'afra, or Beth Afra, yeah, um, r- roll in the dust. Um, they're they're kind of synonymous. Yeah, um, it means house of dust. Beth, yeah, Beth Afra means house of dust. Yeah, so, so it says roll in the dust. Yeah, yeah. so whenever you go um, and read through these, you're gonna see all these play on words. It should be if you have like NIV. There's tons of NIV notes on that. Uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, the the prophet is just basically saying, "Hey, your namesake spoke your destruction. Yeah. Um, the things that it it, it foretold how you were going to come to an end. Um, and it ends uh, really. It doesn't end with this, but I think the the major one is in verse thirteen. Uh, Lechesh is the second biggest uh, city in Judah. Um, and they've essentially made their put their trust in their military power." Um, and they have tons of horses. So like anytime you see that there's like a bunch of horses in a place in the biblical stories, it's like, oh, that's a, that's a symbol of power. Um, and so they put their trust in that, but now they're going to have to harness up these horses just to get out of Dodge, uh, just to get out of town to get away from Assyria as they come through and destroy. And instead everything's going to be given off to their, um, to other people. Um, and, and like to kind of lashes is sounds like the Hebrew word for team. Like yes. I, it, it's probably in the notes in your Bible. We'll say that. And so he's saying harness the team to the chariot in verse 13. So yeah. it's just, again, kind of that. Yeah. I mean, you see that in every, every verse from, what is it? 10, 10 on. Yeah. 15. Yeah. So that's just the, the we're not going to go into every single no, one. No, it's just, just interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's another one, verse twelve. Inhabitants of Maroth. Uh, so it's the Marar is the bitter. is the Hebrew word for bitter bitterness. So Marar they, uh, whenever they were in Egypt, 
um, Pharaoh made their lives marar. There was it was bitter, um, and they had they wailed, um, they cried out to God um, because of their lives being so bitter. So, anyways, there's just those those plays on words that are mm-hmm. going, and it's just it this is just walking through a bunch of cities in Judah. Uh, some of them are in, are in Israel. Um, but most of these, I think, are actually in Judah um, and surrounding them to their south southwest, um, and basically saying, "Hey, they're coming for you, and it's going to be not fun." Um, and he calls for them to make yourselves bald, uh, cut off your hair. And basically, I mean, this is just a a symbol of mourning, um, and that you're going to be taken off into exile. Um, so chapter one's not a real hopeful. Uh, hopeful chapter. What a start. Yeah. Uh, if you think about the things you might know from Micah, this is not the thing you usually talk about from Micah. Um, and I, I, I think that's a real shame. I think it's really important that we cover this kind of stuff of, because this is definitely an aspect of God, uh, and, and who he is. All right. Jumping into chapter two, verse one. Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light they carry it out, because it is in their power to do it. They covet fields and seize them, and houses and take them. They defraud a man of his home, a fellow man of his inheritance. So, <clears throat> I, I just think that this is just kind of highlighting the those that, I mean, there's people that are planning Wickedness. These are people with power. Mm-hmm. The people that have the ability to just sit there and figure out how am I going to take from those that have that have something yeah. else that I want. They covet fields and seize them. So you have that like it has a desirous. They desire it. They um, very similar to. I mean, this is the same word that covet. Same word for what Eve had for the fruit. That she desired the fruit, um, and then she she takes it. Takes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and she's. So they see it, seize it, uh, in houses, they take them away, they oppress a man in his house, a man in his inheritance. So, I mean, I think everybody can agree, this is probably not a good thing. Yeah. Um, this is kind of getting into the why. Yeah, so you're start, slowly starting getting into the why. You're going to get more into the why in chapter 3, uh, but, uh, chapter 3 and 4, but it's kind of slowly leading you into this mm-hmm. of like, you guys planned evil. Like, how could, you know, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. um, so, you can keep going. All right. So, picking up in verse 3. Therefore, the Lord says, I am planning disaster against this people, from which you cannot save yourselves. You will no longer walk proudly, for it will be a time of calamity. In that day, men will ridicule you. They will taunt you with this mournful song. We are utterly ruined. My people's possession is divided up. He takes it from me. He assigns our fields to traitors. Therefore, you will have no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the land by lot. Do not prophesy, the prophets say. Do not prophesy about these things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should it be said, O house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord angry? Does he do such things? Do not my words do good to him whose ways are upright? Lately my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the rich robe from those who pass by without a care, like men returning from battle. You drive the women of my people from their pleasant homes. You take away my blessing from their children forever. Get up, go away. 
for this is not your resting place, because it is defiled, it is ruined, beyond all remedy. If a liar and deceiver comes and says, I will prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, he would be just the prophet for this people. So, well, there, there's some whys in here, uh, and but it, it's like, hey, look, you know, Yahweh is coming, planning disaster against this family, uh, and there's going to come a time uh, in that day, that day, whenever you're thinking about that day and the, the minor prophets, we're talking about day of the Lord. So day of the Lord is coming up uh, and everything's going to be rendered uh, unto him. And it's like, hey, there, <laughs> there's going to be a time where you're those that were planning disaster um, uh, against these people, you know, these other people. Uh, that they're just sitting on their beds and trying to take stuff from them. Um, that listen, you're going to be full of bitter wailing, and we talked about bitter wailing before. It's a return to the the slavery of the Exodus. Um, that their their lives are bitter, but it's not bitter because of uh, you know because somebody else enslaved them, but because of what they had done to other people. Um, they're they're utterly ruined. He exchanges the portions of my people. So they had taken taken the inheritance of other people and made it their own. Well, now that's going to be taken away from them, from Assyria. So now that's going to be returned on their heads. Um, and so that's a lot of what this is ha- happening here. Is he's saying, look, this is going to be taken from you. God's going to come and he's going to take it from you. And that's in the form of Assyria that's coming their way. Um and they don't really like that. The people that are, the prophets that are there, they're like, dude, don't talk about that kind of stuff. Yahweh's not like that. Yahweh's not going to be, you know, like we're, we're, we're the people of God. You know, you can't say things like that. God's not going to do that to us. Um, and so this kind of like, this idea that like all of this is really uncomfortable to talk about, well, that's how these prophets feel too. These false prophets are like, this is uncomfortable to talk about, man. Like, you can't talk about Yahweh like this. He's not like that. Um, but the fact is, is that whenever Yahweh's people aren't behaving the way that they need to, um, that he's going to discipline his people. Yeah. Um, this just kind of takes me back to things that we read in Jonah and takes me back to things that we read in Esther of just, like, I think we tend to elevate certain, like, elevate certain people I think when I hear the word prophet I automatically make assumptions about what Mm -hmm. that person was you know like I think of them as being a good person for God kind Mm -hmm. of thing and um these false prophets are just like you know Micah stop just chill out dude like do not do not prophesy we don't you know we're not going to be overtaken and just how they probably shared that with other people of like you know, that potential of them saying, don't worry about Micah's saying, and how people might have, like, elevated those prophets to just be kind of like, oh, yeah, you're a prophet, so, yeah, you're, yeah. you know. Well, they elevated the people that told them the things they wanted, wanted to hear. Wanted to hear, yes. Yeah, and uh, those, Paul would call it, those that they're, they listen to the things that their itching hear, ears want to hear. Right. Um, and so they elevate those prophets and they don't listen to the one that's actually calling them out for their sins. And, and this is essentially a a health and wealth gospel, uh, where it's like, listen, Yahweh loves you. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. 
Like, he loves you just because of, you know, who you are, you know, and that, like, and that's true. God does love his people. Yeah. Um, but he loves them enough to do something about it whenever they're evil, whenever like, they're not like doing Like we talked about before, it's like, we see the potential in you. Yeah. Like, you could be, this could be amazing. Yeah. You know? Like, love does not mean doing nothing. Right. Uh, or just accepting the way that they are. Love means love actually means doing something about it and stepping in and being that father figure to them that they need and that part of that means that he's going to come and take away the stuff that they that he's given them um and and they don't like it and they don't like it and they're like dude you need to be quiet go over here to the side um and they're like oh you know this is you know, are these his deeds? Are you sure? You know, like, that's not, nah, he, oh, that's not going to happen. That's so interesting that you mentioned, like, God taking away the stuff that he's given them. Yeah. Um, because it makes me think of Jonah at yeah. the end with the... The God, plant. Yeah. yeah. Send it, and taking that away, and it's like, do you have any right to be angry? Like, I gave this to you without even you asking for it, or, you know, right. like, and it's kind of the same thing. It's the same right. thing here of, like, I've given you this stuff. I can take it away. Just yeah, just <laughs> like the plant. The plant is is analogous to the the kingdom mm-hmm. in the promised land. He's given them the promised land. He can take it away just as quickly as he gave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the whole reason that the promised land was taken in the first place was because the people there were evil, you know, and had had done you know terrible things and were sacrificing children and things like that. Anyways, they. They came in and take it, took it out, not because Israel was so good, but because they were so bad. Um, and so now they've turned into that group of people. They're no different than what the than the people uh, that they took the land away from. Um, and so, anyways, it's just yeah. I, I think it's just that they've become their own enemy. I love that because it's like just again as like a bigger picture thing of emphasizing like this is the same God, mm-hmm. you know. And that struggle that we all have sometimes with, like we've mentioned before, the Old Testament, sometimes we wonder if he's changed. And this is just like proof of the same God. Even though he was trying to save Nineveh, it's still ultimately the same God, you know. Right, right. Um, and so, and then he kind of gets into some of the whys. Like, you're, this is what you're doing. Um, you've driven out the women of my people from the houses of their pleasure and their children, uh, you have taken away uh, my glory forever. Um, and you, you robbed a dude on the street, you know, took his cloak. Um, and so, I mean, like, you're, you're doing terrible things to people. Um, you know, and would, would my words not be pleasing to you if you were doing the right things? He, you know, he mentions that. But, you know, recently my pe- people have risen up as an enemy. That they become the enemy of themselves, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and done awful things to to people. They've taken advantage of women. I mean, like, th- so much of the Torah was about protecting the people that had no ability to protect themselves: women, children, orphans. You know, it's like mm-hmm. these are these are the people that cannot take care of themselves in this culture, and it was set up for them. And they're now here; they are taking advantage of them. It's like you're not you're not behaving like my people. You're mm-hmm. you're not behaving like my children, and so all of this is going to be taken from you. And then he says, "Arise and go, for this is no resting place." Well, Israel was supposed to be the resting place, and so it's um, that that's a 
a call to them of being like, you are not what you were supposed to be. You know, you were supposed to be a kingdom of priests, but here you are taking away from the poor and not representing them and instead being full of deception and lies. Um, and, uh, you know, if a man walks uh, about in a spirit of deception and lies saying, I will preach to you of good wine and start a strong drink, then this would be the preacher for these people. Um, that basically just it's health and wealth gospel. Mm-hmm. Like they just want to hear what what is um, good to their ears and not like just try to ignore all the destruction that's going on out there. That's not our fault. Like as if that they had no part to play in that. So, yeah, that's just all really strong. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> but wait. But wait. So the, this, as many of the minor prophets do. They they have all of this talk about like this is this is what you've become, but they end with a glimmer of hope. Um and so you wanna read twelve and thirteen. I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. One who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. So this kind of opening oracle um, ends with, hey, but the remnant, anytime you see the remnant in scripture, um, that's the those that are faithful to Yahweh. Um, the, you still have in, in amongst these people the scattering of the remnant um, and that he's going to gather up the remnant. They're going to be like sheep. So he's going to be like a shepherd. Like mm-hmm. we've heard of a good shepherd before. There's other other minor prophets talk about the good shepherd versus yeah. the bad shepherds. Uh, and then, you know, then Jesus would step up on the scene and say, I'm the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gathering the remnant of Israel. But anyways, this is a, a looking forward to a time where he's going to gather um, the remnant of Israel, those that are faithful to Yahweh, and that he's going he's gonna to give them pasture um, and peace. Um and that he will go out before them as their king. Their king passes before them, Yahweh, at their head. Um, and so this little, this oracle of destruction and this is who you've become and this is what I'm doing to deal with that ends with a, a section of hope of, but one day I'm going to gather all of you and then I'm going to lead you personally out. Yeah. Um, and that your king is going to go out before you um, and... Yeah, and this is a uh, very echo, very much an echo of Exodus, where Yahweh goes out before them in the Exodus. So He says, "I'm sending my angel out ahead of you." The angel of the Lord goes out before them, um, and he he leads them in the wilderness. So well, I love that, like having this at the end, and then thinking about verse three, where the Lord is. Therefore, the Lord says, "I am planning disaster against this people, from which you cannot save yourselves." Mm. Um, and I love how, when, even when I read it earlier, I was just thinking about this hint of like, you can't save yourselves, yeah. but I can send a good shepherd yeah, to you lead, know, you, out. To lead yeah. you out um, and save you. I yeah. can send someone to save you. Because um, when you read that, especially in the context of everything being so miserable, you just see that as like another hopeless line. Yeah. But I think that there's kind of something unwritten there of like, you need me yeah you know um and so I just think that that's really cool and I also just in general I think that this all goes to show like we can't just read scripture 
in isolation. Yeah. Like in like having this whole picture and like if we hadn't read 12 and 13, we'd be like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know if I want anything to do with that. Yeah. You know, and then it's like this huge beautiful piece of hope, you Yeah. Know? I mean, I think I and think love. this is why this is so important. I I think we have to you know, we like to select uh, choice scriptures from mm-hmm. even from the book of Micah. <laughs> That's uh, oh yeah, we have one hanging yeah. up in our house. Yeah, we we like to select choice scriptures that are nice, and mm-hmm. we can put them in a box and be like, "Oh, that's so nice and so so beautiful." Um, but what we don't like to do, we we don't like to read stuff like this. Um, and I I think it's really important for us to do that um, and to see this aspect of of Yahweh. Um, he's not something that we can just put in a box and say, "This is who you are, Yahweh." Uh, go be like this. Uh, you're only about love, and he is about love. Like he is about, um, you know, his steadfast love. When we talked about his his character, as he describes it, he's full of compassion, Passion. and mm-hmm. uh, but he doesn't let iniquity go unpunished. Uh, and just like what we saw before, it's like he was he was gonna bring you know bring down wrath on Nineveh, but whenever they turned to him, holy, he just he was like I changed. You know, it says that he changed his mind. Yeah. Um, that he was like, the thing that I was going to do, I'm not going to do anymore because they've actually turned to me. And so I think that that option is still on the table here. Yeah. Uh, That for those, but for those that don't repent and for those that don't change and they continue in their evil ways, that he's like, I've got to do something about that. Um, And to be honest, um, I I think deep down we really need that. And we really want to, to believe in a God that is like that. And that, listen, we don't want... (laughs) You know, there is something fundamentally wrong with how the world operates, you know, and how you, the those that are less fortunate are taken advantage of continually. Um, and we kind of like to shove that out of the way like it doesn't exist, um, but it does. And, you know, Yahweh is going to do something about that. He's not going to just allow it to happen. Like we have to come to grips with the evil that goes on in this world. And if God is loving then he's going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we have to come to grips with that aspect of Yahweh that he He is he's not going to put up with it. Um, but for those that turn and for those that repent wholeheartedly, uh, that really truly turn to him, that he relents. Um, and so there's that aspect of Yahweh that's really hard to put your thumb on and mm-hmm. figure him out. Um so I, I think we have to we have to struggle with this aspect of it that he yeah. you know but at the same time understand that this is part of his love yeah um as as a fatherly figure as as one that's trying to make his people better tomorrow than they are today mm-hmm. um and to you know to get them to stop taking advantage of those that are less fortunate yeah I mean so. I just I do love that you can see in twelve and thirteen. You're a gracious, I mean, it doesn't say this, but you see what you saw in Jonah of you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. You can sense that and like, I'm going to send someone to lead the way for you. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. So uh, pay attention to verse seven, uh, where these false prophets are like, should this be said, O, o, o house of Jacob, is the patience of Yahweh shortened? So one of the things, one of the aspects of Yahweh is that he's slow to anger. Yeah. And to me, this seems to be that they're taking a character of God and they're trying to take advantage of it. Uh, and they're being like, no, 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 no. Remember, God, y- Yahweh is slow to anger. Is it shortened? 
come on, Yahweh. Yeah. You know, so, like, they're trying to take advantage of Yahweh, and he's just not having it. Like, he's just yeah. not having any part of it. And, uh, but I think that that's an aspect we can take, it, like, think about how we view the love of God. You know, we take advantage of that all the time to just be like, well, but he loves me anyways. You yeah. know, like, we see it on TV all the time of different stuff. It's oh, like, yeah. oh, you know, but God loves me for who I am. And, you know, it's like, like, it's just okay for you to continue in the, the world, the the life that you're living, uh, you take advantage of his love and, you know, God's no chump. Um, and he's not going to put up with what? I think we have our podcast title. Yeah. God's no chump. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, Sean White says that all the time and I, I really, I really caught onto it. I really like it, but God's no chump, man. And he's not going to just like, he knows, you know, whether or not you're really into him or not. And, uh, and I think it's just that, um, you know, we need to quit taking advantage of his characteristics. Um, so yeah, that that's really hard. Um, but I think we really need to meet that head on and and try to wrestle with it. I think it's really important that we try to wrestle with these types of scriptures uh, because it's not something that we're used to. Uh, and something, and again, it's like don't don't say those types of stuff. It's uncomfortable. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we need to be doing this more often. We need to be talking about this more often. That's his whole point. Yeah. And honestly, um, just even over this past week, Garrett's been able to have conversations with people who have asked the hard questions that a lot of like a lot of people ask, you know, and actually having studied this and being able to like provide a response when we are asked those questions is really important. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, I mean, it's it's not like it's not hard for us. It's. It's hard, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. I think you're probably going to struggle with some of this, like, really harsh language at times. Um, But, like, trying to study it in the full picture and understanding who God is can really help us when we have conversations with people who, you know, struggle with God because of this, you know, little bits and pieces they know. They they think that, um, that the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath. And the more I have read the Old Testament and what I I would call the Hebrew scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, um, the more I have read that, the more I've realized that it is just continually his overpowering, uh, compassionate love for his people uh, and for humanity in his world. Um, And that drives him to action, whether that be like this or that be uh, in his overwhelming forgiveness that he has for whoever calls out on his name. And so it's just something like... I have continually just run into that is like people think that this is what this is about, but really this is still like, even in his wrath, it's his overpowering love, uh, as well. Um, is that line from the walking dead? Um, Mm. that, um, what is it? My, 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 my my mercy mercy prevail over over my my wrath. wrath. Yeah. My mercy prevail over my wrath. Um, and so I think that's the, that's Yahweh. Um, it's like kind of a line from his heart of like, he wants to, he wants to have mercy for people that would turn, uh, if they just would, you know, if they, if they about would do it. So this has been a long one. Um, but I think it's been a really good one and something we need to be honest about and and struggling and wrestling with scripture. You can enjoy it while you're socially distancing yourself. Yeah. There's a lot, you should have plenty of time right now to listen to a podcast because we're socially distancing ourselves from each other right now to save the world. Um, (laughs) no big deal. (laughs) Yeah. So we, uh, next podcast we'll pick up, uh, with, uh, 
chapters three and four.